Hey, it's Pete, and this is Dream Warriors 32. We're going to be going through King Arthur, ouch, and a little bit more alien. Uh, coffee is sinking in, getting into the bloodstream. So let's hit the music and get started. I'm not. I'm not going scalding, boiling hot coffee today. I'm doing uh, nice, refreshing iced coffee with a. Uh, I get this Delight creamer. Delight is. I don't know if Delight is the company or if it's the branded fraction of this company, but they have this Hershey chocolate, like caramel, and. I, I I mix that with uh, one uh, one giant mug of uh, refrigerated coffee that is French pressed, and it's a, it's a stronger blend. But it's uh, so it takes me about two whole French presses to fill up this one pitcher of mine, and that just stays in the fridge. And uh, in case you know, look, if you tuned in for Dream Warriors, just expecting to to talk about uh, everything geek. Um, <laughs> we talk coffee because this is morning, but uh, but Pete with uh, coffee and news, so we talk coffee here. Yeah, so uh, two French presses, uh, throw them into a pitcher, uh, throw that pitcher in the refrigerator, get it nice and cold, and I and I only use uh, giant ice cubes now. I don't use any smaller ice cube because they hold the temperature of the water and they don't melt quick and they don't dilute. The the coffee and cream blend or whatever it, the heck you want to put into it, but anyway, it's it's a hell of a it's 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 a hell of a mix, and um, I am pretty disciplined too with uh stirring the the blend with the giant ice cube. I have one of those like bartender giant uh, silver spoons, and you know you just mix it, circulate, circulate. You know, it, it's, it just turns out fantastic. Look, it's still kicking in, so give me a break. Uh, but I don't know, I kind of want to get right into it, because, uh, speaking of breaks, uh, I think Guy Ricci, uh, we gotta, we gotta look him up real quick, because I'm not 100% with his box office. And look, look, most of the time when, when I dial things up, uh, I'm just kind of going to box office mojo, and okay, so Guy Ricci uh, adjusted for ticket price inflation, uh, adjusted gross worldwide, unadjusted. Um, so Guy Ricci, uh, we're talking talking about him because he is the director of King Arthur that came out this weekend and opened third, got kind of destroyed. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two came in with um, about sixty million, 
And then there was the new um, Amy Schumer movie. I forget the name of that movie already. Um, that had like 16, and I think King Arthur came in around 15 or 16. So it was bad. King Arthur 2 uh, budgeted for $175 million. And uh, this time around for this movie, it, it looked like they went into more of a Lord of the Rings uh, like light fantasy uh, kind of like, I guess, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones type feel. And Game of Thrones, the way how it portrays fantasy, totally different than Lord of the Rings. Um, Lord of the Rings had more of the mystical elements in your face. Uh, Game of Thrones kind of keeps it behind the curtain, uses it when available. And, yeah, uh, Hollywood's had a long obsession with King Arthur. Um, the last, the last big release was might have been King Arthur also directed by Anthony Fakwa from Training Day. And I'm just going strictly off of memory here, so everyone feel free to tweak me and prove me wrong at uh, AKA PAD. Uh, you can find me or Peter A Deluca. Find me there too. Uh, just Google it. So um, the Anthony Fakwa um, King Arthur. Had Clive Owen, um, I think I'm forgetting who was Lancelot in that. Might have been uh, the Fantastic Four guy. That's a you know what I don't wow. Um, and then it had the, the girl from Pirates of the Caribbean, Kira Knightley, as like an archer, like a tribal archer, which made for good movie poster art. Uh, that was like a super realistic approach. Um, you know, like the real story. Which, you know, they toggle back and forth with. They'll, you know, like they'll ramp up the fantasy, then uh, five or six years, maybe longer, goes by. Here's a realistic version. Um, uh, already forgotten movie. Uh, the Thor dude was in a Ron Howard directed. I totally forget the name of this movie, but like a realistic movie dick. Uh, and uh, that's kind of like, ouch. So, uh, you know, Hollywood plays with ideas uh wants to know what what's going to stick and there's no way of knowing sometimes so this king arthur movie kind of looked good had high production value uh charlie hennon hennon um i don't know i know him as pacific rim dude uh and i know he's on sons of anarchy um yeah he looked he looked like he fit the role whatever right um and then jude law was like the evil king whatever dude um, and I love Jude Law, so I'll see anything that he's in. I think he is, I would like, it would be nice if he went into more of a character actor, uh, approach with his career. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the ins and outs of hiring actors are. Uh, yeah, I don't know what he has to do for that, but, uh, he, he's so talented and I love him. Uh, you know, talented Mr. Ripley, I, I heart Huckabee's. Uh, might be speaking Greek with those two movies, but fantastic. Yeah, and so th this movie opens and gets labeled a immediate, uh, <laughs> immediate bomb, and uh, it's sad because Guy Ritchie is one of the best, and you know, like just just to go through some of his box office um his most successful movie was the robert downey jr and jude law headed uh sherlock holmes uh that guy that is roughly at two 
$137 million, which is, you know, amazing, uh, considering uh, how few, how little, how few filmmakers actually hit even break $100 million, you know? Uh, he did a follow-up with Sherlock Holmes' Game of, uh, Game of Shadows, which came out two years later. And at this point, uh, that, that introduced Moriarty, his arch-nemesis, which they teased at the end of Sherlock Holmes. And the funny thing is over Sherlock Holmes is that movie kind of ends the same way as Batman Begins. And, um, you know, like, it, it became a, uh, it became a way of reintroducing the audience to a iconic character. Uh, you, you, and you get away with a, a lighter villain, lighter adventure, same as, uh, Batman Begins. You know, like Scarecrow or Ra's al Ghul, you're like, uh, okay, I'll watch a movie with those two. Um, but you really want to see the Joker. And same same case with Sherlock Holmes. You want to see Sherlock go up against Moriarty, his intellectual nemesis. And, uh, again, every great hero has a fantastic... Oh, excuse me. Uh, opposite. So, uh, and then, and, and I guess at this point we hit a little bit of the dark territory with Guy Ritchie. Because he did the main from Uncle uh, uh, two years ago. Uh, main, uh, main from Uncle domestically hit forty-five million, forty-five point five million, uh, with a production budget of seventy-five million, which is yeah, halfway decent. Uh, with foreign, it pulled in roughly one hundred and ten million, and yeah, that's kind of like a break-even there, uh, with marketing and everything. And uh, the Man from Uncle movie is that's something I remember reading about um, since I was a kid. And everyone was connected. I think Tarantino was directing that at one time. George Clooney was starring in it. Uh, and Man from Uncle uh, was a part of the James Bond craze of the of the uh, early mid '60s. And it was just like an Uncle also is an acronym. And you know we should you know maybe we should look up. I don't know what the the U N C L E stands for in Man of Uncle. Let's see here. Uh, let's just hit the. Uh, the wiki. Um, Dream Warriors is solely relying on how quickly you can uh, Google. <laughs> uh, okay, um, I'm not. I'm not finding. Uh, this is sometimes Wikipedia does not uh, doesn't always. You know why don't they just put the uh, the definition um, of the up. Uh, of the acronym at top. Okay, United Network Command of Law Enforcement. Also had, I think, uh, one of the best TV show logos and opening ever. Okay? Uh, so check that out. So, Man from Uncle, domestically disappointing. Uh, globally breaks even. You know, that makes him still a part of the Hollywood squad. So, he gets a giant movie. And... That giant movie right now is, uh, I think, his fourth. Well, he has Snatch at the next up. Main from Uncle 48, Snatch at 47. Snatch's budget, uh, what was the, it's not available right now, but it grossed uh, 30 million domestically, 53 million foreign at 83 million dollar uh overall take um you know like that's that's amazing and then then now we have king arthur uh 
watches you know his fifth highest grossing movie <laughs> and then everything else underneath king arthur is his lower budget um you know kind of like uh meat and bones uh crime driven movies and but you know like we're, we're seeing with guy ritchie we're seeing a diverse stretcher now which you know again it's rare and unique because he he had a niche uh kind of like exposed us to it everyone bought in on it and then kind of went into making mainstream hollywood movies and look i don't consider any hollywood movie mainstream because it's you know like you're making a movie for a hundred million dollars you're you're general running an army there's nothing mainstream about that uh and you have ideas from every direction and thoughts coming in from everybody and and you're just trying to pick the, the best thoughts the best ideas uh, the best way to to swerve and to you know make make the deadline make the budget uh you know people always think it's 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 always about the uh they too many people just feel like you have to make the deadline when you make a movie but every single day uh the clock's ticking but so is the bank account just money being spent and you have to come in under budget um but hollywood always seems a little weird when it comes <laughs> when it comes down to accounting um i don't know i mean people want to audit the fed you know like i would love to audit the hollywood business practices because you, you get two 100 million dollar movies and they are drastically different now i'm not talking about theme or content i'm talking like one movie looks like it's 100 million dollars and the, the the other movie looks like it was it was made by uh couple couple college kids in their uh in their room down the hall from here okay not that there's any college kids here yeah and then we have rock and roller lock stock two smoking barrels swept away what she did with madonna <laughs> his wife at the time uh that's when and revolver so th- those he's directed nine movies uh, and it's, it's everything from d- detective drama adaptation iconic character sherlock holmes <laughs> you know like adaptation spy revival main from uncle king arthur so it, it, he's it, those are three drastically separate errors and then he has his outsider swept away his crime saga which is snatch rock and roller lock stock two smoking barrels and, and revolver uh, and you know what um he, he's insanely insanely talented there was a great joe rogan pod joe rogan had him on like last week uh listen to it because he is just not you know he's just not this movie guy he he's into life and it's awesome and i kind of like his demeanor because he doesn't get get movie talk when he talks about like you know he doesn't get high brow like to him you kind of just tell their movies their jobs or that's what he does and he and he's artistic at the same time so he's the he's the funnel so yeah so i i feel bad uh king uh, the king arthur legend um i can't say truth because it's kind of like you know um uh, like you'll you'll never beat the john borman adaptation of king arthur uh let me let me just uh let me just see uh let's see here I just want to see if I can search, like, maybe, like, a King Arthur, uh, kid in King Arthur's court. <laughs> oh, by the way, the, the Clive Owen heralded, 
uh, King Arthur movie came out in, let's see, overall box office for that was $51 million with a budget of 120 So, dude, that even suffered domestically. With Farin, though, it, 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 it came up with um, 200 uh, So, you know, that kind of looked like it broke even. Uh, and I, I can't. And I can't, I can't read. Sorry, there's an airplane flying uh, right overhead, right nearby. But we're in the morning, so we get birds and airplanes and, and coffee here. Yeah, so even the um, 2004 King Arthur movie, uh, yeah, didn't hit with audiences. There, there's only one real King Arthur movie, and it's Excalibur, um, 1984, directed by John Borman. Uh, suit design by, um, armor design by Bob Peake. You know him from Dune, the Michael Keaton Batman, uh, movie poster artwork by Bob Peake. Um, I wish, off the top of my head, I wish I knew who did the score for that because it's one of the best scores, I feel. I, I say every movie has one of the best scores, but you know what? I'm, I I mean it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hey, get, get this. So that movie had a $11 million budget, box office $35 million. That's a winner. You, you actually get double double there. Um, let's see, though. Uh, it's also based on uh, Le Morte de Arthur, which is the French uh, telling of the legend of Excalibur and King Arthur. Oh, dude, the music. Trevor, Trevor Jones. Um, we know him from The Dark Crystal. Yes. And cinematography, Alex Thompson. And Alex Thompson, we, we would, we kind of do want to talk about him. Because he is another like industrial, uh, like diverse. Most cinematographers like kind of do one of each movie um, because they're workhorses. They keep going. But um, if you know his his, I'm just going off the top of my head. I know he did Labyrinth. I know he did one of the Schwarzenegger early movies. Um, I'm almost positive he did Alien Three. Um, but uh, he might have done Cliffhanger and or Demolition Man, but whatever, <laughs> it's just awesome. Uh, he is insanely, insanely talented. That King, uh, that Excalibur movie is one of the most stacked movies ever, and it will never be topped. It will never be defeated. It's really the one to to go to, and yeah. So this weekend, I want to jump into. This weekend, because on Amazon Prime, uh, Saturday I just locked myself in. Uh, it was raining. I didn't even go to the gym. Didn't do any of my food shopping. No meal prep. Um, locked myself in and basically did eBay and illustrations all day. <laughs> and holy crap, man, I fell into a black hole. Like a creative black hole where it literally felt like... A few days, maybe like four or five days of me just like working nonstop. Like that's how um, that's I was like I said, black holes control time and distance and, and all these things, and, and that's where I was. But um, Amazon Prime uh, premiered or or it populated on Prime. I don't know what that's called when it shows up on 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 the feed. Um, to the two thousand AD documentary. Um, 2000 AD is a British anthology comic book series or regular 
publication similar to heavy metal I grew up with heavy metal I didn't grow up with 2000 AD but I, I was always aware of it I had a stack of them from a comic store owner at one, at one point and he didn't know what to do with them and they were kind of like newspaper flimsy uh you know again like the but fantastic artwork um really cool stuff but um yeah uh it was like a two-hour documentary um i had to look up who directed it paul goodwin uh paul goodwin essentially just did a bunch of tv episodes and he's a tv director but yeah that was a nice surprise so that was like uh i kind of like listened to some of it and stopped and did things and Sat, actually sat down to watch it and and um you know uh, fantastic work uh i i kind of disagreed with them taking this position with women again and that not that i um people discover what they like uh and they kind of made reference to it um marvel went through this with their diversity debacle that i think mark and i are talking about tonight uh we're going to have mark for dream warriors 33 we're going to have a comic book heavy discussion uh, yeah, I feel like I th based on our film conversation and Norm maybe episode 30 uh, maybe 34, 35 he'll be here this week for that um, I don't know what we're doing with Norm yet I don't think Norm knows what we're doing with Norm yet uh, but yeah so they go into some of the, the diversity stuff and marketing towards women and letting women work on comics and it's like you know and it's like like it takes a position like maybe like you know like women have a right to to just enter into any field and not pay any dues and it kind of came off a little bit like that also came off as weak and apologetic and, and you, you don't apologize for the way things are if it's not harmful uh women i grew up no girls read comics now um you know now you you, know, you, you want to go down and get dirty with some of these girls that, that read comics like you want to marry them you want to swoon them because they're beautiful women that are into this stuff now and there was no marketing campaign that turned women on, on the comic books and geek culture uh, the girls took it themselves and they d picked what they liked and there's a few creators out there um, I think per capita I will say that I think uh, female creators are more effective within comics than men are um, but you know, there's other factors for that, but yeah, that if you want that point to to run up the hill with, uh, take that one. But uh, yeah, and like DC tried to give like Fiona Avery, um, Wonder Woman. They tried to give like some of these titles, uh, female creators. Uh, you know, give them to female creators, and it's just you know, like it turns out the way it turns out. Okay. Uh, usually for forgettable stories, um, Top Cow tried to do that with, with Witchblade, again forgettable. Uh, Witchblade for Top Cow, Ron Mars versus everyone else. I'm sorry, uh, David Wool, Ron Mars, uh, they're, they're the two guys. And you know, Witchblade was a throwaway idea that uh, basically exploited women, you know, the, the, the female uh, bad girl f craze of the uh, mid-90s <laughs> mid that Wizard Magazine promoted. Uh, you know, Witchblade was the cream of the crop for those books. Second one was like Lady Death, third one was She, created by Bill Tushi, who is a phenomenal artist. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, you, those two guys basically kept a throwaway idea going. So, I don't know, I mean, 
it's a tough thing, but the documentary kind of spins off into that tangent where I kind of tuned out. And but they also go into create. See, they they skimmed over some of the creator rights and how they they viewed creator rights and how they wanted to keep the copyrights and the trademarks. Like that's a more substantial discussion than going the the female route and and being apologetic about um, not marketing to girls. Not that there's anything they could have done, um, dude. Like, do you know how many girls I know that got, including my ex. Got totally into the Avengers because of Loki and saw that movie repeatedly, or got into Winter Soldier because of Bucky. I had a girl here, amazing boobalos, by the way, here lushing over Chris Evans and Hemsworth, uh, Thor and Captain America, showing pictures on her phone. You know, uh, like, you know, I grew up, like, no girl with boobalos as magnificent as these would ever have a picture with an actor who portrayed Captain America or even know about Civil War and know the broad strokes. Um, but this girl also potentially fake geek, but whatever. Uh, still way better than what I grew up with. People find what they like. They discover what they like. You can't engineer it. You can't design it. Um, but whatever. So it's a fantastic documentary on the sole fact that this is a part of geek lore. It's a part of the history. It's it's a part of the people that put their blood, sweat, and tears into just work for little financial gain. Remember that. Um, this is the lesson we walk away with 2000 AD. If you hit my Facebook, we're just jumping here because I, I wanted to post it. I posted it yesterday. Find me on, on Facebook. I have a personal page. I also have a business page. Attractive women, find me on my, the personal page, please. Okay, do that first. Like like the business page, but find me on that. And you might be like, oh, how am I attractive? And you know what? I don't know. I'm usually on whiskey, liquored up on whiskey anyway. Most women are freaking attractive even by, by 10 o'clock in the morning. So, uh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So, getting to my Facebook page. I have the Tom McFarland documentary. I'm all, I don't like piracy. I'm animately against it. But I love this documentary with Tom McFarlane so much. Uh, I found it on YouTube. I, I, I posted it. Go there and watch it. Um, he makes an awesome point in the beginning too about rich people that I love. And um, he goes, people knock rich people. And you know, the, the, this documentary was made way before the war, war on the rich even happened. Um, but he says like, you know, I, I, I filled more potholes in this town than you because of my taxes. <laughs> and that's Todd. Uh, incredible documentary. You also see him rip some of his um, crew over um, poses for hockey players, uh, <laughs> and they're going through that. And 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 it's like he's he he corners this one guy by. I think they're talking about Lindros and and Gretzky and what poses of the figures represent those guys. And they're like, well, such and such. And he's like, no. He's like. He's like, they're all in all of these poses throughout the course of a game. There's no pose for any player. And it's it's an awesome insight. So, uh, we, ha we have more more traction. I, I, I wanted to kind of go into the Alien movies because um, I kind of read this. We're getting a lot of airplane activity today. Um, we're getting like a little bit of um, this like Prometheus... 
uh, Prometheus was a movie directed by Ridley Scott came out in 2012 and man it's weird because uh, I, I rewatched it I talked about on the uh, last episode it was on Amazon Instant for like $5 so I'm like that's fate sat down watched it I think I, that was like the last thing I tried to do on Saturday crashed out uh, slept a few hours woke up really early on Sunday and kind of went back and finished watching it and I don't know I don't know why people hate this movie. I think it's it's awesome. I think it's it's well shot. I think it's well acted, well designed. Um, it's everything. It's stacked. Um, and I kind of went through knowing what some of the criticisms are, like the universal ones that I think destroy uh, how we view movies anymore. Which is like the there's two scientist guys and they there's a snake thing and they poke it and then it kills them. Okay. So, and people act like scientists would never do that. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I don't know any scientists that discover new species. I don't know any scientist that actually travels to foreign worlds and discovers new species. So, I don't know how these how these scientists, quote-unquote, would act. Um, rewatching the scene and watching it with new eyes, and that's the important thing. Just watch some of these movies with new eyes and drop everything. I'm not saying except the like for being dumb or whatever no like watch these movies with new eyes please um th there was like a whimsy in that discovery and they were these two characters were trapped in the tunnels and they're in a situation they don't want to be in like they're in a tough situation and and th there is kind of like a mental breakdown that's kind of like the way like i just because i kind of i really forgot almost everything about the movie um, to me, the Prometheus movie builds into David's head getting ripped off and the, the, the engineer dude beating someone to death with the head. Uh, fantastic, by the way. Because, <laughs> like, there's always, there's someone out there that we want to do that with. There's, there's two people out there that we want to rip the head off of one and beat the other to the, to the death with that head. So, um... You know, with, with that one contention put aside, it's it's a little bit funny that this movie gets knocked. Because I love the score. The, the music notes are amazing in this movie. And... Oh, just had to refill my uh, coffee. So... Yeah, so drilling down through the Alien franchise. Uh, Prometheus, which is technically not even an Alien movie... Um, the, the only real connection is the Wayland Corporation, but whatever. But Prometheus with a like new, fresh set of eyes. This this movie uh, holds up. I got the like the genealogy of um, the evolution of the black slime. Uh, the intent of the black slime was more clear and evident, meaning that the uh, the engineers wanted to destroy humanity after creating humanity for whatever reason. And and something happened, you know, like something happened for for the engineers to want to eradicate humanity, and that's what the xenomorph is, which is like uh, now I don't know what happens <laughs> once things evolve in, but it's like the xenomorph is part of a perfect biological weapon to ensure the death of humanity. I don't know what they plan to do when the xenomorph kills everyone on Earth at that time, uh, you know, two thousand years worth of people on earth 
<laughs> like, what do you do at that point? Like, does the xenomorph like die off? I don't know. Um, yeah, like, were they going to die off in a few years at, in the colony on uh, in aliens? I don't know. Um, maybe that's going to be addressed in Alien Covenant, but it really got me more excited excited for Covenant because now it's kind of like. I, we know that they go into Prometheus, and 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 these are just things you kind of want to know, and and I I I'm just into it. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are like box office wise with inflation. Uh, let let let's just go through uh, the Alien movie. So Alien, nineteen seventy nine, uh, roughly two hundred eighty million dollars, huge for the day. Aliens, uh, five years later, eighty six, two hundred and two million dollars. See, people want to act like Aliens is like the shiznit, but uh, it, it's $80 million less than its predecessor. Think about that. Um, 2012, Prometheus, $140 million for adjusted gross. Alien 3, 1992, $120 million. Aliens vs. Predator, commonly referred to as a AVP. 2004, 140 million dollars. I, I remember watching this and watching this with Ken, who I did the uh, the, the one comic book with, and we were so amped for AVP. <laughs> we had the McFarlane action figures uh, hitting the toy store every day. I think there was a, an, um, the netted alien. There was a one called Net that had the um, the scars of the shrinking alien net that they use in that 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 kind of like trapped alien than a shrunk because uh, the predators actually have cooler toys and weapons than Batman could ever imagine um, that's at 214 but man we were so excited for that movie Alien Resurrection 1997 um, I guess people hate you know that's referred to the second of the worst of the franchise uh, we already, already discussed this on the previous Coffee and News episode maybe not the case uh, 92 million AVP, Aliens vs. Predator, Requiem, 2007 at $52 million. The premise for AVP alone, uh, no one bought in on. I'm sorry. Uh, aliens on modern day Earth in a forest situation with a pred-alien, predator-alien running around. They have to get that out of the franchise. Um, xenomorphs should just be xenomorphs and it should vary in design per movie because you got pay these guys something to do um xenomorphs adapting their host is just completely ridiculous i came from the kenner toy line and somehow that became canon um and like somewhat like forward it in alien 3 but it's so understated in alien 3 like you could easily get away from it um but yeah so uh yeah alien covered it uh I think I don't know. Like I, Prometheus, I think did a fifty-two million dollar opening, right? Let, let's let's just do some clicking here. What was Prometheus's opening over here? Oh, sorry, I I'm losing my tabs. Prometheus right here. Uh, worldwide, wow, Prometheus, four hundred and three million dollars budget, one thirty. Holy Kaboli. Uh, that movie looks like it's a $200 million movie. <laughs> you know, again, retrospective, uh, a couple years go by, King Arthur's at 175 and that don't, you can just tell from 
the trailers. That does not look like Prometheus. Um, different movies, by the way, too. But Meaning, they're shot differently, the intent's different. Um, it comes in through the production. Opening weekend for Prometheus, $51 million. Um, yeah, so, is Alien Covenant going to beat that? I think it is. I think it's going to come in over. I think people are just excited. And it's not just a saying Alien and them having Xenomorphs. Uh, I think people want to know really what happened after Prometheus. And it doesn't have to be, a, you don't need a Prometheus sequel to do that. Uh, why? That makes no sense. I would have loved it if they did that, though, and had, like, a different title and just stuck to their guns. But, look, these studios need to make movies like this so they can make other movies. So movies like, um, uh, like Lion and Nightcrawler and... I mean, even though, like, some of them are made with th different circumstances, but it's all part of the same apparatus. The bigger movies help support the smaller movies. That's a part of the business. It trickles down. So it is important to, to make King Arthur a success. It is important. If, it's, if it sucks, let it rot. Let it fail. But I'm getting the sentiment that King Arthur is not a horrible movie. Prometheus is not a bad movie. Okay, you you have to sit down and watch these movies constructively with an open mind and do like a brain dump of everything you may have heard, read, and seen before. And, you know, like, again, I saw Guardians with someone, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, two with someone that just liked them. They they liked, they, they thought they were funny. And this, this girl's, and then the, the movie's going and she, she looks over to me. Opening credit sequence, the Mr. Blue Sky Baby Groot dance, and she goes, We're five minutes into this movie, and I already love it. That's your audience, okay? The core, the geeks, the high horse mother efforts, they're not the audience. They're actually the vocal minority disrupting how we view things, how things are absorbed. Uh, they have to be snuffed out. <laughs> I think the day for some of this conversation is over, hopefully. And look, keep in mind, you heard a lot of this stuff first at on Dream Warriors, but um, look, it is. I gotta get going. I got. I gotta hit the office. I gotta do some work. Uh, you know, a couple of things. Uh, gotta patch one or two panels today in the good old server room. Let me get to that. Um, but I, I just want to reiterate. Go into go into these movies. Just wanting to, you know, enjoy a production. Okay, um, no one thinks you're you're insanely intelligent uh, <laughs> if you have views on movies. Trust me. Okay, no one cares about the plot, plot holes in Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. No one even cares why it's called Revenge of the Sith and how it's a nod to Revenge of the Jedi. No one really cares. Trust me. There's like other things they care about. Okay, um, like right here, I got a. Uh, a history of the Hershey Company book that I've been reading. Oh, what's this? By the way? Yeah, sorry. Um, you know, like uh, people might know about that. You know, know, learn things outside of just sitting down, getting high horse on movies. Learn different things. Okay, that's what people will respect you over. They will not respect you uh, if you go into some drivel about how the Transformer movies are disgusting and horrible and. Michael Bay only does explosions, and which is such a dumb argument. Uh, look, you just set yourself up. 
later in life. Trust me. So, but look, let me get going. And not not for that little pep talk. We're we're at a solid forty minutes here. I thought today was going to be like a thirty minute, twenty minute episode, but the coffee gets me going. The Java surges through the blood. And I think my pops is swinging by in a little bit um, to pick up some some packages, some shipping. Cause hey, I've already been up for a few hours, already kicking ass. Uh, I know many of you, even when I'm recording this, you're just still sleeping. Your kids are jumping on your bed. Your dogs are pissing on the carpet. The 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 sun's almost fully erect, and so am I. And on that, we are now. Here.